From the game gurus at Snakes and Lattes, you're listening to the Snakes Cast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Welcome to the Snakes Cast, everyone. I'm Jonathan Moriarty. Joining me this week are Steve Tassie. Hello. And Kristen Travis. Hello. And welcome back to 20th Century Classics Month. We did this last year talking about four games that came out in the mid-20th century that shaped the board gaming industry and board game culture. Those were Monopoly, Risk, Clue, and The Game of Life. This year we're going to do four more from that era that are equally influential. And we're going to start with Scrabble, a game that almost everybody, and certainly North America and many other parts of the world, have heard about. It's sold in 21 languages at least all around the world. Guys, um, what sort of experiences have you had playing Scrabble? Are you fans? I, I was, like it. I was terrible at it. I've always avoided it. Yeah, I, for, I felt like a punishment. My mom liked Scrabble. <laughs> it was like one of the few games that she liked. And as a child, my my mom's brilliant. She's a librarian. Uh, so it felt like I, had, I never had a chance to win. Her vocabulary was so much bigger than mine. And uh, I just had no chance to come close. Was it like that for you too? I've just never been good at seeing letters and being able to rearrange them. So oh, the I have anagram to thing. Yeah, I'm so bad at that. I have to physically go and just rearrange these letters hoping that I find <laughs> words. All right, Steve. So you're the lone voice of uh, Scrabble fandom here. I enjoy it. Uh, I grew up in a family that played a lot of games uh, and a lot of word games. And Scrabble was certainly one of them. Um, others were Taboo and Probe. Um, Ooh, Probe. Yeah. I remember that one. That was like a... Wheel of Fortune type of thing, playing Hangman. With the everybody, cards. yeah, everybody had their own set of letters, uh, and you would, it was kind of like Go Fish, mm. uh, or, or Hangman, where you would ask someone if they had letters. Do you have any Fs? Yeah, and uh, you'd score points for correct guesses, and uh, and for guessing other people's overall words. But anyway, Pro, so Probe I didn't mind, Scrabble I had problems with. Scrabble, it's funny, I enjoy it. Um, it took me a really long time to figure out sort of what the the tournament strategy is, <laughs> um, I was I was always one of those people who was looking for the impressive word, not <laughs> the two letter word that happened to fit right in that hole between a bunch of other words on a triple word score, uh, and suddenly, hey, look, I just made ninety points for playing the letter F. You know, um, that is, I think, the downside to this game is that that there is a definite winning way to play as opposed to just being a, an interesting word game. Oh, yeah. My mother-in-law knows all the two-letter words, and there's no chance. <laughs> We're going to come back to the seriousness of the tournament scene later in this mm -hmm. episode. But uh, for the time being, a quick history lesson. In 1938, a gentleman named Alfred Mosher Butts created a game called Criss Crosswords. He made a few copies. No major game publishers of the era were interested and it sort of withered on the vine for a while. In 1948, a gentleman named James Bruneau, he was a fan of Scrabble, he bought the publication rights in exchange for a royalty, and he slightly made a few changes to the rules, moved the premium spaces around on the board a bit, made the rules a little bit simpler, and he changed the name of the game to Scrabble. 1949, Bruneau and his family make about two, over 2,000 sets, and they lost money on them. A few years later, 1952, the president of Macy's goes on vacation, plays this game, loves it, can't believe he doesn't carry it in his store, comes home, and insists that everybody in America has to own a copy of this game. So Bruno and his family, they can't make copies fast enough. They sell the rights to a publisher, a publisher who, of course, was one of the ones who previously rejected the design, didn't want to publish it. And now millions of copies of Scrabble show up in every household, and it is a household name. 
Scrabble is one of the most popular games at Snakes. We have what four copies on the shelf? We have four open copies. Uh, I had six on the wall at one point, and somebody said, "Come on, six? Really? Do we need that many?" <laughs> we have six are cards against humanity. Yeah, they're often all being played. Absolutely. Yeah. And we we have people come up saying, "Hey, will you bring me a Scrabble when it's free?" Yeah, that's weird. It's 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 that one, Jenga, and Cards Against Humanity. I think we have. Those, those, are the, those are the three games that we have four or more open copies of. So uh, why is this game so popular that we can't even keep it on the shelves when we've got all these multiples? Number one, familiarity. Well, Monopoly's familiar too. And it's also extremely popular. Mm-hmm. We may not have six copies of the same Monopoly open, but we have... Right, that's I true, the different versions. different Monopolies. Got a bunch of different risks. Yeah. Got a bunch of different... Well, got, yeah, different games People of life. People know Scrabble. People know Scrabble, and it will make them feel smart, like they're actually doing something instead of just rolling a dice. Mm. So that's uh, that, that's another thing, the competitive nature of the game. Mm-hmm. So it makes it probable. Let's, let's actually go into it. Of all the 20th century classics, with a possible exception of Risk, Scrabble seems to me to be the most competitive of the lot. Would you say that's a fair assessment? Yes. Yes. Why? The seriousness of this game, the seriousness of the tournament scene, the people who play this game with such intensity, memorizing all those bizarre two-letter words that don't I'm exist in I'm smarter than you. You can actually improve your game by improving what you know. Mm. And, that's, and that's the key to it? That's what makes it so serious? It's actually a test of skill rather than sort of seeing who can roll luckiest on the dice? Well, in Monopoly, there's the skill with bidding and knowing timing and stuff, but you can't, you can't make yourself better. Um, in the same way that you can with Scrabble. Yeah, there are more layers. I mean, Monopoly, you can know to buy the orange set first. You can know to get certain things. But once you know the basics, you've kind of maxed out with Scrabble. The ceiling is very, very high. There's, 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 there's a special Scrabble dictionary that's full of these bizarre two-letter words that don't exist in any other dictionary. Every time you're reading something, you're making yourself better at Scrabble. Mm, good point. Uh, well, as long as the words in it are eight letters long or shorter. Um, the Scrabble Dictionary doesn't have any nine-letter words in it, obviously. Um, but, uh, okay, let's talk about how you win at Scrabble. You were saying before about the, those two-letter words and having to use the premium spaces to maximum effect. Um, the, the arrangement of those premium spaces makes for almost like an area control game, something that the folks oh, yeah. on BoardGameGeek.com would enjoy. Absolutely. Uh, the... The people who make long words are the people who give away victory in Scrabble. Right. The, the tighter you can control the spaces, uh, the, the more you can squeeze out of fewer letters, the better you are at Scrabble. Uh, to the point that ha- having a bunch of two and three letter words, the word adds, A-D-Z, one of the best words there is in Scrabble. <laughs> it gets rid of that Z. It's only three letters long. It's going to fit in a bunch of spots. And someone's probably already thrown an A down on the board for you. What does it mean? Um, you know what? I don't even know. This is why I don't win Scrabble. <laughs> it's in the Scrabble dictionary. Uh, I believe it's a tool of some sort, but I could be confusing it with an all. I'm pretty sure I'd challenge you if you put ADZ on the board and tried to tell me it was and a word. And then you'd lose because it's a real <laughs> word. Okay, let's talk about challenges. Did you guys used to play with challenges as the rules when uh, you had when you played, you played Scrabble with your families? No. No. Never? No. Because, okay, th- this we, is the we, thing. We didn't make up words. We didn't try to make up words. Like To me, the challenge is to prevent someone from cheating, uh, <laughs> not 
this person has made up a, this person has provided a word I'm not familiar with. My parents know more words than I did, so of mm. course I wouldn't challenge them. They're, but they're also not the sort of people who would cheat. So that was never an issue for us. I never, I never really played with anybody that knew all the really weird Scrabble <laughs> words. So it never, we never got into a situation where we didn't know words. They were just plain, simple, normal words. The thing is, the, uh, there are different challenge rules, and the game changes an awful lot when you bring these in. Consider this. There's the, there's the free challenge. That means you can challenge anytime you want, and you don't lose anything if you challenge a word, and it turns out to be a real word. Sounds Way to make the game slower. Forever. There's that, but here's the thing. If you guys are playing a game where there's no challenges, that's basically the same, right? You're just assuming that everything's going to be correct, and that, that, that means that the psychological aspect of the game doesn't enter into it. Then there's the double challenge. That means if you challenge a word and it turns out not to be a real word, as, as it, turns, it turns out that it is a real word, then you challenge them, then your penalty for challenging falsely is you lose your next turn. Now, what this means is that you don't want to challenge very much unless you're really sure that it's not a real word. And this gives people an incentive to put out words that look like they might be fake, like ADZ. Because if somebody, if they can trick somebody into challenging them, that changes. And you know, Scrabble—it's—it's—it's it's, it's like you were saying, Steve. It starts out being a game of vocabulary when you first when you're first playing it. The next level up is it becomes a game of area control and strategy. The next level up for people who are seriously into these things is the psychological component. Manipulation. Exactly, bluffing, tricking people into challenging you when they shouldn't, Glorp. or not challenging you when they ought to. Uh, in between, there's a lot of the tournament formats used in between one called a single challenge, which means you don't lose your turn, which is disastrous in Scrabble. But if you make a false challenge, you're going to have five points or ten points deducted from your score. So there's still an incentive to mess around there. Um, people get really big about this. They, they, they're very, very serious. We, I'm, I'm talking fist fights at tournaments. This happens. That actually doesn't surprise me. They've done CSI episodes about people getting murdered over <laughs> word game tournaments. Now, the, it wasn't Scrabble because, you know, copyright <laughs> infringy and money. Right. Um, it was but, obviously supposed but to yes, be. Yes, it was obviously the, the Scrabble culture. And it's true that that, that that intensity really comes through there. And that might be also a part of a secret to the game's success is that you can play it seriously like that or you can play it casually. Well, Scrabble can be the game that you want it to be. But what if you want a word game that's not Scrabble? Just maybe you've played Scrabble a lot, or maybe you want to try something new. What are some alternatives that you would bring out? You know, you're doing the guru thing. You've got somebody who said, well, we've played Scrabble and we like it. What else have you got? What do you bring in? I love Word on the Street. Word on the Street is the one that I would say, too. That, that's my favorite. Uh, I will give that to practically any group of two who uh, aren't of averse to uh to word games i'll throw my head in for word on the street as well that's a big favorite of mine. i've always like i said i'm really terrible at anagrams but i still get the spelling the coming up with words and i get that all from this game without having to like have that word jumble which is great and it's got those neat pieces too that street that's laid out with the word tiles and you're playing the tug of war trying to pull the d over to my side and you pull the f over to your side yeah. um if somebody says we love scrabble what's like scrabble Bananagrams is the is mm. the answer. That is that is the closest uh, I can think of to Scrabble. I, well, I mean upwards, but upwards. I don't know. It's, 
Okay. I'm not a fan. Here's here's the thing about uh, about real time. I'm going well, to come back to upwards in a second. I have this, and I, I wanted you guys to tell me if I'm completely off base on that. My impression is that fans of this sort of word building game fall into two distinct categories, and there's not a lot of overlap. The ones who prefer those games to be fast and snappy, where you have to be quick, stuff like uh, like uh, like Boggle or Bananagrams or Word on the Street, and then the ones who prefer a game where you get to take your time, come up with the best possible play, like Scrabble. And there's not a lot of overlap there. Generally speaking, the, the, the time pressure thing really divides them. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you've found to be true? Or do people tend to see, you know, if they like Scrabble, they also like Bananagrams, regardless of the time pressure factor being there or not there? Uh, I, I've had good success with Bananagrams as an alternate to Scrabble. Um, I do have to let them know uh, off the top that this is speed Scrabble. This is not, hmm. this is not a slow contemplative game this is this is you're trying to be faster than the other person and sometimes people will turn me down when when they hear that but uh, most people don't i think that i agree with you i do think that people tend to either want to have the slow thinking i want to pick the perfect placement the perfect score the perfect letters or the speed version. I totally agree. Yeah, there are Scrabble players and there are Boggle players. And uh, I th- in my impression, at least, is that the Bananagrams players tend to lean more towards the Boggle end of things. But uh, let's... Th- okay, upwards. Here's the thing, Steve. My grandma played Scrabble for 40 years. It was the only game she would play. Mm-hmm. We bought her a copy of Upwards for Christmas a couple decades ago. Now Upwards is the only game <laughs> she plays. Well, actually, it was the only game she played until we bought her a copy of Word on the Street. <laughs> and now she plays that, too. But uh, Upwards, is I, I think it's fantastic. It's like Scrabble, except all the tiles are worth exactly one point each. So there's no, you know, you know, no, no math adding stuff. It's just one point per tile. And you can write on top of the other player's words. And every time you put tiles down, you have to overwrite something. You have to change at least one word into something else. And, uh, and you get full points for every word you change, too. So if you go across a few words in a line, you know, you change, you know, whatever, house into mouse and, uh, and something else along through there. Every, even if you only change one letter of a word, you get full points for it. And you put something down in an intersection, you score multiple times. It just, um, to, to me, it, that third dimension adds so much to it. I will play upwards willingly. Uh, I still think of Scrabble as being a punishment. That sounds like something I would like a lot better, too. What, uh, what turned you off upwards, Steve? Um, nothing has actually turned me off it to play it, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't recommend it at the cafe because, in my experience, people have a really hard time grasping three-dimensional words. Mm. They, they, they don't get it. They don't understand how to change words. They don't understand how to score the changing of the words. It's one um, point per tile, guys. Come on. I know. It, it's that they, they don't understand that you also you, you, you get to score the points for all the stuff in the stack. Yeah. Um, that just confuses people. So it's one that I've just stopped uh, suggesting. Yeah, it's, it, it can be a bit of an uphill battle. I mean, despite the fact that it is simpler, it's not familiar. And that familiar that you mentioned yeah. way back at the beginning of the episode, I mean, it, it just makes all the difference in the world. I mean, there was another one that I tried to bring to my grandma called Crossword Pyramids, which had these little pyramid-shaped things with letters on them. And it was simpler than Scrabble, too. But was, well, there are a couple of things that were different about it, the biggest of which is that it's a game where you score for making great big words, 10-letter, 12-letter words. And I love that. I mean, uh, what you were saying before about making the, the big word with uh, you know, the big impressive-looking word that tends to lose at Scrabble because you just open up a bunch of premium spaces for the other player. 
that's something that's much more interesting to me. Or something like Byword, for example. Byword is one of, is probably my biggest go-to game for Scrabble fans. It's a game where you buy letters and sell words. And the player with the most money wins. Dead simple. But uh, yeah, the, the lack of familiarity can be a bit of a problem unless somebody really is genuinely looking for something that's unlike anything they've played before. Well, that's it for our first week of 20th Century Classics Month. If you have some thoughts you'd like to share about 20th Century Classics that you've enjoyed, let us know in your favorite social media. We may just do an episode about one of them. Till then, thanks for listening. I'm Jonathan with Steve and Kristen. Game on. Game on. May the triple word scores be yours. <laughs> thanks for listening. You can find more from the Game Gurus by subscribing to the Snakes and Lattes YouTube channel or by visiting our blog. Just go to snakesandlattes.com and click where it says blog up near the top of the page. Until next week, I'm P.T. Douglas. Game on.